following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Hey, uh, I just love what Anne shared on, um, on uh, family because uh, I just love family. I love the whole principle of family. I, I just love the community that's created within family. And on the 1st of January, 1980, I proposed to Anne. And uh, that was over 31 years ago that I proposed. And in proposing, I mean, I was 20 years of age, so was Anne. We were both 20-year-olds. We weren't prepared to propose. You know how these days there's a big uh, hullabaloo on the proposal? We just did it so spontaneously that I realized that I proposed after I proposed. And she realized that she accepted after she accepted. And it was like, okay, so we're getting married. Oh, cool. And, uh, and then we were too scared to tell anybody. We were too scared to tell Anne's parents because uh, I'd only started going out with her the week before. And so it was like, <laughs> we kind of thought, maybe they think it's puppy love. Maybe they think this is just a little bit too quick. <laughs> and so we didn't tell them until March. Um, but anyway, the fact is that I proposed on the 1st of January, 1980, and we set our vision to start our own family. And uh, what an adventure. And so what I wanted to do, I wanted to make sure that I had the principles in place so I could have the absolute best marriage. And not only the best marriage, but the best family. And so I started doing a whole stack of research to find out what were the principles, what were the pillars, what were the things to establish to give you a great marriage and a great family. And you know what? I'm going to share with you the five pillars of a healthy, happy home this morning. Are you interested in finding out what we discovered all those years ago? And now over 30 years later, we can say they work. They work, absolutely work. Now, you might be sitting here this morning and say, hey, John, I'm not married. Don't even look as if I'm getting married. Hey, there's my in-laws here. Dad and Mom, great to see you this morning. Dad, good to see that you're healthy. We loved you. We just didn't want to scare you too much back then, but you've forgiven me, haven't you? It's been 30 years. That's fine. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the point that I'm making is this, that these principles work in community anywhere. So if you're in community, if you're in a house that you're sharing with a couple of people, you might not be married or whatever, but you're sharing community with people, these principles work. So it's not just, ah, oh, well, I'm going to switch off because it's only for married and family. No, it's for you. And listen, if you're young and one day you are setting your sights to find the, the man of your dreams or the girl of your dreams, then make these notes because this will really set you up to be a champion and, and we got John and Janine there that's going to get married in September you got your notes out okay the five pillars of a happy healthy home this is what it says in Psalm 127 verse 1 we got it up there unless the Lord builds the house they labor in vain who build it first principle in building a healthy happy home is honor God it's as simple as that honor God Come on, he made you. He created you. He created the world to honor him, to open up your home and to say, in this house, we honor God. You automatically attract the blessing of God. Why would you want to start an adventure without the blessing of God? Anne and I start nothing without 
the blessing of God. If we ever go on, on a long trip, as soon as we get into the car, we pray the blessing of God upon our journey. We just want God to be involved in everything we do. We want the blessing, the fingerprint, the hand of God upon all we do. And I just love what these beautiful parents did today. They said, come on, we, we want the blessing of God upon our children. We want to start their lives with the hand of God, with the blessing of God. Well done. Big tick for excellence. That's a great way to start life. Can I just encourage you to pray together? Can I, can I say to you, husbands, one of the greatest things that you can do is to pray with your wife. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Can I just say to you that based on that scripture, if you pray with your wife, you increase your prayer power tenfold just by praying with your wife. Why is it so difficult for men to pray with their wives? When you understand that it increases what you do in prayer power tenfold just to pray with your wife, break through the barriers and just say, I'm going to pray with my wife. I'm going to pray with my kids. See, there was method in our madness in giving all of those families Bibles. They're children's Bibles. And those Bibles have been presented so it becomes the first Bible that the child receives. It's from the church. It's from us. It's free. And it's, it's written in such a way that every single night before the children go to the bed, they get a Bible story. Ah, oh, it's okay to have Cinderella and Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and all those fairy tales and stuff. But what's even better... Is the Word of God. To get the Word of God into kids so they grow up knowing the stories of the Bible. Knowing, oh, I tell you, it's just wonderful to have the foundations of the Word into you. In honoring God, you bring your kids to children's church. Anne and I, we went to children's church all of our lives when we were kids. We, I, I, I think I was two when I started going into Sunday school. We used to call it Sunday school back in those days. How many of you remember the days of Sunday school? Back in uh, the 60s and the 50s, Sunday school was, uh, was normal for Australian kids. And over 50% of Australian kids would go to Sunday school. Today, less than 10% go to Sunday school. What a travesty. And can I just say, to, if, if I could speak to the Prime Minister of Australia today, if I could speak to all of our ministers in Parliament and say, it's no wonder that we have problems with rebellion when in the foundational years they don't receive the standards that they ought to from a book that doesn't change. Come on, everybody needs a foundation based on truth that never changes. To get it from an ethics book that every year gets revised because someone's come up with a different ethic. What is that? Here's a book that's never changed. It's been around for thousands of years. It's never changed. The foundations and the formulas and the principles are unchanging. Why wouldn't you want to build your life on a foundation that's unchanging? It's the Word of God. It's the Bible. It's God revealing His truth to us. The manufacturer's handbook. And to have it instilled into people's lives right from the beginning is wonderful. Honoring God is just welcoming Jesus into the house. You say, Jesus, this is your place. We just welcome you. How beautiful it is to make sure that 24-7 you don't have the radio playing, the television playing, the CDs playing. Or you've got uh, 
all, all the rock things playing and all sorts of, of infiltration of information coming into your house on 24-7. You know what's beautiful? To have worship in your house. Just to put worship into your house and to have the music and the worship of God flowing right through your house. What a wonderful thing it is. You can do that. You can make decisions to bring the presence of God into your house and honor God. It's the first pillar in building a healthy, happy home. Here we go. Second one is love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I love these three words. Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Anne was talking about it earlier on. And what a beautiful thing it is to have love, acceptance, and forgiveness. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Friends, Jesus was saying to the disciples, bring love into your environment. The first place to bring love is into our homes. Into our homes. You know, to use the love word, as Anne was saying, ought to become so natural that it's not difficult to say. I just think it's really sad when, when people just can't get those words out. I love you. They just, they just struggle getting it out. And I know that with some of you um, being brought up in homes where the word love isn't freely given, it's sort of hard to break through. But can I encourage you to break through and just to say, I love you. What a wonderful thing to say. I've got my son who's going to turn 29 on the 15th of June, 29 on the 15th of June, and I still go up to Steve and I embrace him and I kiss him and I cuddle him and I say, I love you, son. Now, let me tell you, six or seven years ago, he struggled with that. Really struggled. But now that Bianca has come into our home, she loves that. She loves seeing her man, because they're going to get married on the 3rd of, um, of November. Stand up, Bianca. This is my new daughter-in-law, huh? Isn't she gorgeous? <clears throat> Come here, sweetheart. Come here. Huh? And you know, now that she's my future daughter-in-law, I, I say to Bianca, Bianca, I love you. You're so precious. You're such a sweetheart. I love you. And so she's being exposed to the love word in our home. And you know what her response is? What's her response? Oh, I love you too. Ah, that was totally unrehearsed, folks. <laughs> totally unrehearsed. But it's, it's the way to go. Come on. Why wouldn't you want that in your home? Why wouldn't you want those words of affection and love? And, and it, just, it just nurtures. And what happens is this flower just starting to, to nurture because it's in the right environment. We can't even get a shot of this at the moment. But it, oh, we can. Here. Look at this. It's, you're hiding in the corner there, David. Just a sp oh, waiting for my call. Look at this. It's starting. You can see the flowers in there now. Have a look at this. Have you got it there? At the back of my head. Okay, it doesn't look too bad. <laughs> There's no target on my back there. Okay. Anyway, it'll come up one day. Oh, it's on that one. Oh, there it is. See, see, look at that. It's got flowers and stuff. Oh, look at that. Can you follow it through? Oh, there we go. Up against the white shirt. There you go. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, 
that environment of love is the greatest environment that you can have. Can I just say to your husband, to you husbands, your wife will flourish if she hears the words, I love you. It's not a difficult thing to say once you start learning to say it. I love you. If you have your wife sitting next to you right now, turn, look her in the eyes and say, I love you. There you go. Huh? It's, it, oh man, I just, it's just so hard to get the words out. Get used to it. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing because Jesus commanded us. He said, you've got to love one another. It's a new commandment that I give to you. Love one another. Have it. Are they going further than that, are they? Huh? It will lead to wonderful, wonderful things. When mistakes happen, can you just let freedom of forgiveness flow into the home? Because mistakes will happen. We, we, we are all imperfect. But can we have a mistakes allowed zone in our home? Can our homes become zones where we've got a big sign saying mistakes are allowed? Now, let's not make the same mistake over and over and over again. But just to have a zone where mistakes are allowed and you don't get killed over making a mistake. Because I honestly believe that one of the greatest learning experiences that we can make is through mistakes. But let's not create a perfectionist zone in our home. Because perfectionism is one of the biggest killers of, of people being free. And if you're a perfectionist, I, I want to say to you, get over it. Strive for excellence. Excellence is a beautiful goal to have. And I want to be excellent. But don't strive for perfection. Perfection will kill people. Perfection will kill you. Perfection is Jesus. Our goal is excellence. And, and you know, if your kid comes home with 99% on his report card, you ought to be doing a dance around the child rather than saying, um, where was that 1% that you missed out on? What is that? That's ridiculous. That's crazy. We had uh, John McLennan. What did you get in your HSC? T up. Sorry? 98 point. 98, that's not too bad. You know, when, that's not too bad. What do you reckon? You reckon that's pretty good? 98, 98, I, I, I think that's awesome. But for someone to come along and say, hey, where did you fail on the 2%, you know? We had someone in our church got 99.5. And then someone came and said, what did you miss out on the 0.5? And I'm thinking, I want to smack you up the side of the head. Why, 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 why would you do that? Rejoice. Rejoice in accomplishments and that whole love and, and acceptance and forgiveness where people feel safe and their esteem is built up is just a wonderful pillar to have in the home. So can you make that a pillar in your home? We're going to honor God. We're going to love, accept, forgive each other. It's a pillar in our home. It's a foundation principle in our home. Number three is laughter and communication. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Please don't break people's spirits. But laughter is a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing. And there is nothing that I love more than hearing children chuckle. Don't you love that, hearing children chuckle? I think one of the most viewed YouTubes 
is of a baby chuckling. I should have put it on for you this morning because it's just, it just warms the heart. And, and I would do all sorts of things to get my kids chuckling. I'd love to just get them to chuckle. I told you the story when, when uh, I throw Stephen in the air and catch him and he feels such a, a wonderful sense of safety after he'd been thrown into the air and caught that he'd chuckle, he'd laugh. He'd go, <laughs> and I, I'd love him chuckling. I, I think now, studying the psychology, it's because he'd go, <gasps> and then when I'd catch him, he'd go, <laughs> it, it, it was funny. I thought it was funny. But then I called Andy and said, hey, watch this, watch this, watch this. I got so excited about him chuckling that I threw him so hard that he face-planted into the ceiling. <laughs> and said, that's it. You are never touching that kid again. <laughs> oh, glory. So he's got a squash nose because of it. But, but just, to, just to see laughter, to hear laughter. How many of you love laughter in the home? Well, introduce laughter in the home. Make sure that, that the laughter that's introduced isn't laughter that pulls people down. That it's not laughter that picks on someone and laughs at someone, but is laughter that's genuine, that's based on something that's really funny. Take time to talk. Take time to listen. See, communication is not just about talking. It's about listening. I reckon one of the greatest gifts that we can give someone is the gift of listening. It's funny, when I talk to young people, their biggest complaint is this. My parents never listen to me. <laughs> then when I talk to parents, their biggest complaint is this. My kids never listen to me. And what's going on in a family where, where everybody's complaint is nobody is listening? Listening is a great gift that you give people where you actually give attention. And you're listening. You're listening to what they're saying. And then you do them the courtesy of asking them, have I heard you properly? And then repeating back to them what you think that you've heard. Now, let me tell you, more often than not, what you think you've heard is not really what the other person is saying. And I find especially if there's a drama in the house, I find especially if there's just annoyance in the house more often than not we're not hearing what the other person says can i just say one more thing about this if you are constantly trying to hear what the other person is saying and you still can't hear bring in a third party to help you bring in a third party we've got people in the church that can help you bring in a friend bring in someone that you love bring in someone that can help you get this communication done because i honestly believe that the key to every relationship is good communication and if the communication is broken down the, the relationship cannot survive long term okay parents can i just say to you take time with every single one of your children don't don't just spend time and block with them, but just take time separately and individually with them because it's amazing what comes out when you take time with them as individuals. And I really believe that if you start to sow that when they're little, when they become adults, they'll come to you as a mentor because they know that you listen and they know that your wisdom is sound. But if you don't take time out for that, 
then it's an amazing thing how life sort of goes one track and, and you go another track and there's nothing, there's nothing that meets in the middle. I always want to be available for my children and my grandchildren and be there as a mentor and advisor, never to control, never to manipulate, but just add whatever God has given me into their lives and help them. But it starts as little children when you invest into them. It starts right at the beginning where you take time out for them. And that is a pillar of a great home. Number four, here it is. What was the first pillar of a happy, healthy home? Honoring God. What was the second pillar of a healthy, healthy, happy home? Love, acceptance, and forgiveness. What was the third pillar of a healthy, happy home? Laughter and communication. And number four, create a safe and welcoming home. A safe and welcoming home. First Peter 4, 8 to 9 says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another. I love that whole thing of hospitality and love in the home. Make your home a place where friends are welcome. Make, make your home a place where someone can come in and feel at home. I, I just think it's a wonderful thing. The gift of hospitality is just a beautiful thing. Don't make your house just so difficult to access that nobody can come there. Don't get into the mindset where we've got to have an appointment made three years in advance before anyone can come into your home. What is that? I, 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 love, I love the days when the whole concept was, hey, I was passing by, sought the light on, thought I'd come in and drop in for a visit. What's happened to those days? What, what's happened to that mindset? Are we so busy now that there's no time for friendship? Are we so busy now that, that we can't be spontaneous? Oh, no, we've got to have the seven-course meal prepared. The seven-course meal? What happened with, let's open the fridge and see what's in there. Anchovies on bread. Fantastic. How many of you love anchovies on bread? How many of you don't want to come to my place to have anchovies on bread? There's nothing nicer. There is nothing nicer than anchovies on fresh bread. Oh, it's just delicious. But this is the point. point is that, that I grew up in a home where hospitality was given. And nobody would phone up to say they're coming because we didn't have telephone in those days. They'd just pop out and, and mum would just open the, the, the cupboard and the fridge and whatever was in there, it would come on the table and we'd sit around the table cracking open the peanuts and whatever and talking. And I remember just sitting at the table as a little kid listening to the conversations. Now these were migrants. They had to do that in Australia to keep that community. But what wonderful community came out of hospitality. And so Anne and I said, okay, that's the sort of home that we want to create. We want to create a home where our kids will invite their friends to come into our home. And let me tell you, with our fridge and Italian cooking, the kids' friends always loved coming to our place because they knew they'd leave fed. And some people say, we don't eat like this even at our place. Matter of fact, Daniel is in the army. Our second son, Daniel, is in the army. Every time he comes home, he invites one of his friends to come still to our place. And this guy cannot wait for Dan to come home from the military. Why? Because he goes to the Juliano's place for dinner. And he reckons it's the highlight of his, of his life just to come around for dinner. But that's the way that it ought to be. 
And that's the way that Anne and I created it over 30 years ago. Where, Matter of fact, I bought a table with a huge extension. So we normally can sit eight people around this table, but if we have to, there's an extension that comes out one way that adds another three or four, and another one that comes out the other way that adds another three or four. We can have up to 14 people around our table. And I tell you, I'm never happier when I see 14 people around my table with everybody laughing and joking and eating and having that. Because that's, that's, that's a safe environment that we can create through hospitality. Feed your guests. Fill your home with love so that people, when they walk in, feel safe. And number five, here it is. Number, the fifth pillar is impart wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. It's a key issue to impart wisdom, to impart wisdom. Can I just say to you that uh, one of the things that Elise will need from you, Phoebe, is wisdom. She's going to be looking at you. The role model that she's going to have of womanhood is you. That's it. She's going to grow up thinking, my mom, she's awesome. She knows everything. She knows everything. Matter of fact, I was having a walk yesterday at Manly, and this guy was wearing a T-shirt. And on this T-shirt, it says, I don't need an encyclopedia. My wife knows everything. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah, come on. We might not know everything, but we can impart the wisdom that we have. To be able to use experiences to impart wisdom, key learning, key learning experiences in life is just so important. And can I just say one thing to the parents? Never, ever, ever discipline your kids in anger. That doesn't impart wisdom. When you do it in anger, you know what that imparts? That imparts violence. I made a vow, an inner vow. It's wonderful to make positive inner vows. Too many people make negative inner vows. I'm never going to trust anybody ever again. Negative inner vow. You know, that's just, why would you do that? Live your life governed by negative inner vows. I made an inner vow when we get married. I would never discipline my kids in anger. Because when I grew up, my, my parents didn't know that much about raising kids. And because back in Italy in those days, my goodness, they would, they would bash their kids. They'd be arrested today for what would happen back then. How many of you grew up in a culture where the kids were beaten up, basically? And I, I remember I was 12 years of age, and I'd done something to embarrass my mother in front of her mother, and she lost it. And she got the belt and she started whacking me. And she went on and on and on. It wasn't just one or two. It just went on and on. I just thought, this is, I'm going to die here. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm thinking, how am I going to escape from this? And an idea came to me. And the idea was, feign a faint. <laughs> I thought it was the Holy Spirit that spoke to me. And so she's, and all of a sudden, kaboom, I'm down. The leg starts shaking a bit on the side. <laughs> I tell you, nothing could have stopped that belt faster than the faint. It stopped immediately. And then my mother's saying, 
I've killed my son. I've killed my <laughs> And so she's in a panic. I'm still wobbling the leg, you know. <laughs> well, let me tell you, that was the last time either my father or my mother gave me a belt. My poor sister, she copped it for years to come. But I, I learned later on, they said, oh, we better not smack John anymore. He's too delicate. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't until I was in my mid-twenties I had the courage to tell my parents <laughs> they'd suffered for years over this, this, this crippling disorder. They thought they nearly killed their son. Hey, mom, I fainted. I faked it. She says, I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> oh, I got it all saved up for you. But the point is this, that that I learned from that, I said, I never want to discipline my kids in anger because in discipline in, in anger never accomplishes what you want to accomplish. It's not that I've never been angry. My goodness, you don't know what anger is like until you have kids. Right? And so what we do, we'd send them to the room. And they thought they were going to the room as punishment, but they were only going to their room so I could settle my anger issues down. And then once I'd settled it down, I'd go in and I'd explain to them what they'd done wrong. And I'd explain to them that there are consequences to doing things wrong. And depending on how, how bad the thing was or if it was rebellion. Because I never discipline the kids over being childish. See, see when, when a child is childish, they don't deserve discipline. They deserve correction. But we only disciplined out of rebellion. So, so if a child picks up a glass... And he drops it. You don't discipline the kid for that because he doesn't have good coordination. He's just, he's just picked up a glass. He's dropped it. Oh, it was my favorite glass. Well, your issue was that you had it within reach of the child. But if you tell the child, don't touch that, ch that glass, stay away from that glass, and then the child touches the glass and breaks it, see, that's not childishness now. That's rebellion big difference between childishness and rebellion and so rebellion needs discipline correction childishness needs correction and we need to understand the difference that with discipline it's out of rebellion and rebellion is what we need to get out of our children and even if that's the case it should never be done in anger it should always be done with impartation of wisdom and if you impart your wisdom to the child, they start growing up saying, I have a resource center in my parents. I can learn about life from my parents. They're further ahead from, than us, and I can learn from them. And what happens is that you create this incredible, strong family. And those pillars build such a great home where the environment is so beautiful. And so Anne and I are so looking forward to the day when our grandchildren come into our house and praise God that Stephen and Bianca, there's absolutely no pressure on you guys whatsoever. No pressure whatsoever because we can wait. We're still very young. We can wait 10, 15, 20 years. It doesn't matter. Well, how long can you wait, sweetheart? I'm a bit more patient than you, obviously. <laughs> I'm just ready when they're ready. That's all. No pressure at all. Fact is, that one day the grandchildren will come. And when they come, then they come into this incredible house that was built over 30 years ago with pillars that don't fall down 
the pillars that are strong, and you can build a house like that if you determine that you want to do that. And the Word of God is filled with other promises and principles. They're just five of many, many pillars that you can build into your house. Hey, Steve, come up, and I want to finish off today by saying this. The Jesus factor has always been preeminent in our home. The Jesus factor, just to have Jesus, Jesus in the house. How beautiful it is for the kids to grow up singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Absolutely nothing more beautiful than a child to grow up just being able to sing that. Not only sing it, but know it. And to go through life with this wonderful foundation. Jesus, you're on my side. You love me. I love you. There's absolutely nothing more beautiful in life than to do it hand in hand with Jesus. There's nothing more beautiful in life than to say, Jesus, you're my role model. I want to be like you. I want to be as loving as you were. I want to be as gracious as you were. I want to be as kind as you were. I want to be as compassionate as you were. And you know what? Even today, you can start that journey. Even today. You say, but I'm not ready for a family. But you're ready for Jesus. Can you be ready for Jesus today? Because that's where it starts. It starts right now. Where you start to say, Jesus, I want to become like you. I, I want to do life with your mentality, with your mindset of grace and love and mercy and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and integrity and truthfulness. I want to do life not being deceptive, not being dishonest, not being angry, not being unforgiving. And Lord, I need your help. And you know what? He comes to help. And the greatest thing that you can do is to invite Jesus to come into your life. Invite him to come and say, Jesus, I need for you to change me on the inside. See, that's the difference. There's too many churches trying to preach about rules and regulations. And you've got to keep this commandment. You've got to keep that commandment. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about inviting Jesus into your life and saying, Jesus, would you change me from the inside out? And the only rule that I want in my life is I want to be like Jesus. Because if that's your desire, you don't need any other rule just to be like Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 